0: Welcome to Is It Halloween Yet? Episode 10, a spooky little podcast where we talk about all things horror and ask, is it Halloween yet? I'm afraid not, ghouls, ghosts, and goblins. It's 103 days until Halloween. I'm your ghostess, Spencer. Let's see what we have on the slab this week. We've got a bunch of movie and video game news, and then finally, a review of Spiral from the Book of Saw. Let's get on to the news. The stellar second installment of the Fear Street trilogy, Fear Street 1978, shares more than just vibes with the Friday the 13th series. The movie was filmed at Hard Labor Creek State Park, The same campgrounds that served as the setting for the 6th Friday the 13th installment, Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. You too can stay at the Georgia campground, which, rumor has it, is also said to be haunted. Adding that one to my bucket list of things I want to do as a horror fan... Movers get more than they bargain for in Stay Out of the Attic, a group of ex-cons turned movers take a questionable and highly creepy job to work through the night for a higher fee, only to find the Victorian house they are clearing is full of booby traps, human experiments, and Nazi monsters. Stay Out of the Attic heads to Blu-ray and VOD on August 17th, or you can head over to Shudder right now and check it out. We got two more Halloween Horror Night maze reveals this week. The mazes that were revealed were a Texas Chainsaw Massacre themed house and a Bride of Frankenstein Lives themed house. Both of these houses will be joining the Haunting of Hill House maze that was announced last week for both Orlando and Hollywood. I am still very jealous of everyone who's going to get to experience Halloween Horror Nights this year. Again, I can't wait to watch your videos and see your Instagrams and see all about it and live vicariously through the community that gets to go. For most Halloween and horror fans, Spooky Season has made its 2021 debut. We've seen Code Orange pop up at several of our favorite spooky decorating spots. Spirit Halloween dropped a bunch of animatronics on us for this year, debuting not only a ghost-faced animatronic, but a Beetlejuice one as well. The ghost-faced one is one that I would love to have in my house, to live in my office, to live in my front hallway. I I just love the ghost-faced one. It's really good. He pops out behind doors. It's great. The Beetlejuice one, however, is bad. He's stiff, his face is odd, I don't understand what they were going for with him. I do hope they have that cool Beetlejuice arrow sign that is behind him in the trailer, though. I would want one of those for my office. Rob Zombie isn't slowing down with teases for his next project, The Munsters. The filmmaker took to his Instagram to give us concept art of both 1313 Mockingbird Lane and nighttime attire for both Herman, and Lily Munster. He also gave us a sneak peek at the wig work that is now underway for the iconic hair of Grandpa Munster. I hope these peeks behind the curtain are calming people's fears about the Munster's project led by Zombie. As someone who thought he could do this, I am getting super hyped through seeing all of these little tiny pieces of the Munster come together in a more modern fashion. COVID delays are still rocking the video game industry as Capcom has announced yet another delay for Resident Evil Reverses. The game was scheduled to make its debut alongside the, the smash hit Resident Evil Village in May. But matchmaking issues have plagued the game ever since the beta test that was, that was almost immediately pulled because of said matchmaking issues. The game was then pushed to July. Capcom has come out last week and now giving us a vague timeframe of 2022. Hopefully we'll, one day we'll get our hands on this interesting take on a multiplayer Resident Evil game. We got our first look at everyone's favorite killer doll Chucky for the Size series Chucky. The new model of Chucky is based off the fan favorite Child's Play 2 era. The new doll looks fantastic. The very short teaser trailer they gave us shows Chucky being bought from the yard sale and the evil doll stealing a knife. We got more images of Chucky with the young teenager that he's currently living with. We will be getting a full trailer for this series during the Comic-Con at Home panel on Sunday, July 25th. That's this weekend. Very excited to see what is coming for this series. Everything I have seen has... Ease the fears I had for a Chucky TV show. I think it's going to be great. I know a lot of horror fans were disappointed when Scott Derrickson left Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, feeling that the horror aspect that Marvel had promised us would be stripped back. Elizabeth Olsen, in an interview with Games Radar, left the impression that brings joy to this evil dead lover's heart. It's a very scary movie, Olsen said, like an old Sam Raimi movie. They're trying to create the scariest Marvel movie. I did not think I would ever live in a world where two of my favorite things could be combined in such a way, but I am ready for any kind of Evil Dead-esque Doctor Strange movie. Marvel is really leaning into the darker occult and horror aspects of its catalog as we move forward with the MCU, and I could not be more excited to see where this leads. Speaking of Fear Street, it is getting a vinyl release of its soundtrack with three of the most amazing pieces of cover art inspired by the original Fear Street books. The colorful vinyl is 180 grams and is available for pre-order now on Waxwork Records for 50 bucks. Now, if Now I just need Netflix to get to work on selling those sick t-shirts that they were giving away at the pop-up event for Fear Street. Speaking of pop-up events, one of the things I miss about living in Los Angeles was the experience that movie companies would make to promote their films. FX is keeping in line with that tradition and bringing it to the East Coast. They opened the Night Bites Bakery in New York City last week to celebrate All the seasons of American Horror Story and the launch of American Horror Stories. 30-minute reservations to the pop-up event featuring sweet treats and other scary items can be made from now until July 24th in in New York. And then the bakery will leave for the West Coast in August at an undisclosed Los Angeles location. A trailer for the brand new Cherry Flavor, a new Netflix series from the masterminds behind Channel Zero, will be premiering on August, Friday the 13th. I love Channel Zero, I think everyone's pretty much in agreement with how great that is, so it is exciting to see what a brand new Cherry Flavor will be. Julia Ducono, the visionary director of Raw, is finally getting to see her do, as she becomes the second female director in history to win the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival for her film Tatine. I can't wait to see this film. Raw was one of my favorite movies in 2017 when I saw it. Her episodes of the Apple TV show Servant are some of my favorite of that series. They're so strong. Also, could we just have a moment for the fact that a horror movie won the top honor at the Cannes Film Festival. I'm sure as this movie gets a wider release, we're going to get the inevitable talking about it's a thriller or it's a psychological drama or whatever it is that people want to use to dismiss horror movies. But it's a horror movie and it's finally about time that this genre gets credit it deserves for exploring the darker side of human experience. Horror movies always, for the most part, have something to say. It feels like it's one of the last genres in Hollywood where movies do have something to say. A lot of mainstream Hollywood now is consumed by popcorn flicks with not a lot to say. Honestly, I can't tell you how excited I am for this next story because I grew up idolizing Deborah Hill. So the fact that I have two stories right in a row about not one, but two different female directors is Fantastic. I'm so excited at this explosion of new and bright and vibrant and very stylish female horror directors. The genre has always been something that has been based in the female experience from the final girls and slashers to Deborah Hill and how important she was in the creation of Halloween. Women have always been behind the scenes, so it's awesome to see big, flashy, mainstream horror movies now being made by women. And that brings me to Lee Janik, who's been out talking about what she hopes is next for the Fear Street franchise. In an interview with IndieWire, she lays out a fascinating plan. Quote, One of the things that's exciting about Fear Street is the fact that the universe is so big and it allows for a lot of space. One of the things I talked about before I was hired is that we have the potential to create a horror Marvel cinematic universe where you can have slasher killers from a lot of different eras. You can have canon of our main mythology that is built around the fact that the devil lives in Shady Side. There's also room for everything else. I think my hope is that Audiences like it enough that we can start building out more. We can think about what another trilogy would be, what standalones would be, what television would be. I don't even think about it like TV or movie exactly anymore. And that's the great thing about Netflix and about what Fear Street is. It's kind of this new hybrid thing, and I'm excited about the possibility of what else can happen. I really get excited about 50s slasher movies, which I think we haven't really seen and what that means. I think it's cool to think about the different eras and what's possible as a horror fan. Me too. Uh, A 50s slasher movie sounds amazing. I, I would love to see an exploration of older genres, or not older genres, older decades getting modern genres, right? Like horror in the 50s was all about the other, right? Like we have alien invasions and monsters and it's all about the other where i would like to see what we do when we look at the societal constraints of like the 1950s and how that could dovetail into motivation for the killer i think there's all kinds of fascinating things you can do when you're playing with decades and what those decades morals And societal restrictions for different people meant in the realm of horror. Final bit of news this week. It's a short one. It's a quick one. Final support group by Grady Hendrix is headed to HBO Max. The fantastic novel, which I'm about mm, three quarters of the way through, is been picked up by HBO Max and will be produced by Barbara and Andrew Muschietti. I think that that is a fantastic pairing of people. If you haven't read Final Girl Support Group, I suggest you do. It just came out this month, like on the 13th. So it's brand new. I highly recommend you get the audiobook. It's read by Adrian King. So it's kind of weird to hear a final girl reading this book to you about other final girls. Like, it's this weird thing. But I will have a full review of this on my YouTube channel this week. I will also have a full review of the entire trilogy of Fear Street. and I was going to try to do it week by week, but that just didn't work out. So we're going to do it this way. That should be up later this evening, the day this podcast comes out, or the next day. But yeah, Check out the YouTube channel. We've got all kinds of fun stuff going on over there. If you want to have the podcast on while you're doing stuff on your TV... You can do that. I've got the podcast up, the episodes up there. We're going to have all kinds of reviews. We're also going to have cool Friday night horror game streams starting in August. And I'm trying to think of something really fun to do for Friday the 13th. I don't know if it's a movie watch along or what we come up with, but we're going to come up with something cool to do for Friday the 13th. So reach out to me on Twitter at a Halloween club if you have any ideas for what you want to do. And that does it for the news this week. We're gonna move on to Spiral from the Book of Saw. Man, okay. So I kind of am glad that I waited to do this review. I wanted to kind of do it, get it up there on YouTube, have the algorithm like it, all those weird things that happen when you're making content that nobody really talks about, but I'm kind of glad I waited. It will be out on Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD today. The day of this podcast, June 20th. So I feel like this is a good time to come back in and talk about it. Man, this is a movie that I wanted to love. Everything they were doing in the lead up to this movie was just like perfection. I loved the fighting with the Saw parody account on Twitter. Chris Rock talking about how much he loves Saw and how like he thought the thing that was missing from Saw was... Humor, and I can agree that there is not a lot of humor in Saw, in the Saw franchise, right? The Saw franchise is really based on having a point of view and using horror movies to talk about society. Saw 6 is really one of those ones that hammers that home to me. It is, it's all about how, like, fucked up insurance companies are, right? Like, it really has a stance to say about the healthcare in our country and that movie was made over a decade ago now at this point almost 12 years is it 2009 yeah almost 12 years ago like and the, those things haven't changed right like so i always love that saw had a point of view that it would talk about this saw has one of the most topical commentaries in it that so this movie if you don't know was supposed to come out in may of 2020 So that means that the movie was done and in the can before May 2020. And I don't think that anyone, let alone the producers and makers of this movie, could have predicted how the events of last June and the George Floyd case and Black Lives Matter was going to dovetail into this movie. This movie talks about police corruption and it doesn't, pull its punches everyone who is supposedly a good person has done bad things and a lot of the cops are just straight up villains I think there's really only one thing that is like supremely wrong with this movie and that gets a little spoilery For as tightly crafted as Saw movies are with their reveals and their twists, this one just didn't live up to that legacy. This one was really tight and good until about three quarters of the way through. And then one event happens that if you were a fan of this franchise, you can't just let go. It nags at you in the back of your mind while you're watching the film until the twist and the resolution and then... It was just kind of disappointing. It's sad because I really like things that they did in that final scene that tie into the overarching theme of police brutality. The reveal of who the quote-unquote jigsaw was was just ham-fisted. I don't think you shouldn't see it. I think you should give it a chance. I just think that if you are a really big fan of this franchise, it is probably going to disappoint you I have moderated. When I first watched it, I was not about it. I was very upset. I did not like it. But as I've gotten distance from it, and I think maybe even with a second watch, I may like it better. So that's going to do it for the spoiler-free part of this. Now we're going to talk spoilers. The death, the quote-unquote death of... The death of Max Minghella's character was terrible. It was badly handled. It was a rookie mistake, which is frustrating considering that it's Darren Lynn Bozeman who's doing this movie. It was just like a super rookie mistake for, like, a Saw franchise. His death came out of nowhere. It was one of the only deaths we didn't get to see the death trap. And it wasn't even really a trap. He just filleted him and hung him in the back of a meat market. Like... Okay, that's not, like, I felt like if they were going to do that and then use it to push that this jigsaw isn't as righteous, even villains who feel like they're justified can, like, go outside of their defined lines of killing because at the end of the day, like, killing people... In violent saw traps is not actually the way to get change. I feel like if they would have done something like that, I probably wouldn't have been okay with it. But the fact that his death was so light on details, came out of nowhere, seemed to be brushed off pretty quickly, like really stuck with me. So when the reveal is, is that Detective William Shern is, his character is the Jigsaw, you're like, oh, of course, because we didn't see it, right? And I feel, I mean, like, then it gets into all these things of like, how did he tattoo a dead body? How did that tattoo heal on a dead body? Like, there's just all these weird plot holes that, like, I don't really feel like Saw falls into that much. Why not pull a thing like they did in Saw 2, where Jigsaw's, I've kidnapped your partner. I'm gonna kill him if you don't do X, Y, and Z. And then, like, he goes through and does X, Y, and Z. And gets, You know what I'm saying? Like, why not bring aspects of things that we've seen in the franchise that have worked back in because like this just didn't work and this movie is super solid up until that point in time when it comes through and then I'm just like ugh. like from the moment of William's death all the way to the end of the movie it's just a struggle for me to think of this as a Saw movie but before that it's an excellent movie and like the, the traps are brutal. I just think they could have done a little bit more catting and mousing with the idea that the detective was going to be the thing. Because as soon as he was cleared off the table in such easy way where we didn't see him die, I was like, oh, he's probably going to be the killer that was like the thought I just couldn't get out of my mind and I know that that was it for a lot of people and like that's the hard thing when you're doing what is this the ninth entry into a series like this like keeping it fresh has always been hard and has made for a lot of convoluted plot lines in Saw but I think that's what people expect at this point so I do want to touch on that final scene though oh and then like trailers you've got to stop with this shit there was no reason to show a samuel jackson in the trailer in the saw trap because the second he wasn't around for five minutes i was like oh jigsaw captured him we're gonna see him in that fucking trap right like don't do that to me like i can't turn my brain off i don't think a lot of people can turn their brains off trailer editing is has to be even harder than it was and has to just continue to keep getting harder because movie audiences are so sophisticated now There's just a wide swath of your audience that is just bought into narrative and how movies come together. And that's why we get such fantastical and deep, rich, lore-based things. But that comes at a price. You can't show me the final death in the trailer. There should be things that are sacred in a horror movie trailer. I mean, supposedly, I haven't seen this movie yet, but I've seen a lot of complaints that Escape Room Tournament of Champions also spoiled its movie in the trailer. I will stop harping on the Saw trailer, is a lot of the shots of that movie come out of the first 15 minutes and then it's just that one with Samuel L. Jackson that's right at the end. I will say I do like that, I keep calling him Jigsaw, but I know he's not Jigsaw. I keep, I like that William, Detective William, used the police force against themselves. He knew that if he forced samuel jackson to point a gun at the police that they would shoot him on sight because he's a black man pointing a gun at him it didn't matter that he was their former police chief that that is what would happen and i do appreciate that like frank honest look in in how his mind worked right he was so concerned with how abusive and how overreaching of their boundaries that he knew he could use even someone they trusted and they knew against them to goat them into being as violent and abusive as they are so i i appreciate the movie for that it's a movie that has a lot to say i think it's a movie that has problems another one of the problem is I love Chris Rock. We all love Chris Rock. I could have done with a little bit less misogynist jokes about his wife. I know that's Chris Rock, but like it's 2021. I, I would expect a little bit of progression away from that. But that wasn't enough to hamper my enjoyment of that part of the movie. It's just something I'd like to not have to see in the future. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for Saw. I'm gonna give it a 7 out of 10. It's good. I'd watch it again. Uh, I probably will watch it again in the near future. I'd like to watch all of them together and then watch it. I didn't get a chance to do that before and all of them are on HBO Max now. So I would like to do that, but I think that's going to wrap it up for Spiral. And that's going to wrap it up for the podcast this week also. I'm your ghost dispenser. You can find me at MissNintendique64 all over the internet, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, You can find this podcast all over the internet at a Halloween club. Twitter, Instagram, there's a website coming. YouTube, you have to search in. Is it Halloween yet? I'm really hoping to get that vanity URL before Halloween. So if you could give us a follow, give us a couple watches, give us some likes, give us that interaction so we get bumped up in there, that would be great. But I think you know what time it is, ghouls, ghosts, and goblins. Sleep or don't. <laughs>